Uh, today, uh, Pastor Noah is going to come and share. We we decided that we were just going to switch out today, and he was going to do uh, ostensibly my job, and I was going to do his tonight. And uh, we just are going to have a switch out Sunday. And truth of the matter is that as a congregation, you need to hear a different voice on occasion. I mean, I, I appreciate you all liking me and coming and wanting to know what maybe God's put on my heart, but... But we need to hear uh, voices uh, that are different than pastors because it breaks the familiarity and it, it has an ability maybe to speak at a level into people that uh, my voice cannot. But pastors Noah and Kelly have been with me now for numbers of years. I don't know how many exactly, but enough now that they've, they've, they've been behind the veil and seen the warts and they know what they got into. You know, youth pastoring is not an easy job. I mean, most of the time you don't get your affirmations until years down the road when the youth that you oversaw were in their 30s and 40s and they awaken that day and call you back up and say, man, you are so right. You are so absolutely right. I found my youth pastor not long ago, dropped him an email. I'm 50 years old. I dropped him an email and just said, hey, Pastor Mark, I just want to let you know, man, I really appreciate everything you did. And, and he wrote, you know, and he's in his 60s somewhere now. And he just, you know, he wrote back and he said, yeah, he said, that's the fruit of youth ministry is when they get to be about your age, they'll call their youth pastor. So I'm looking forward, you know, in my 60s, getting all these phone calls from people. But, but I know uh, the Pruitts work, work hard and diligently and they take it seriously because I, I hear it at staff meeting, and I, and I know what's in their heart, and I, I just don't have opportunity to really speak affirmation publicly over really all my staff. I appreciate uh, Laura and what she does with the worship. We've just been enjoying great worship, and I know she would talk about her team and all the people on it if, if we were to mention that, and everybody's got a part of that. But guys, I appreciate all of you because it's an open heaven, and a part of that is, is you having right hearts and, and being faithful and that's a part of opening up the windows for all of us. So I appreciate that. I could, I could mention, uh, you know, my son, Pastor Tyler, picking up, you know, the kids' ministry and just getting a heart for that. It's just blessed me to watch him in that area. So I could say something wonderful about everyone, but, but today it's Pastor Noah. He's going to come and visit with us. And Noah, let me just say this about Noah. Noah is a genuinely nice guy. Now, listen, I... <laughs> I may be a nice guy, but I don't know if it's genuine or not. I mean, I just, I don't. But I'm saying you can't find a nicer guy than no. He's got built. He's a built-in, built-in optimism. I mean, no joke. He's just got built-in optimism. And I know there's a lot of things that that I've been tasked, and we've visited about this about mentoring in in the ways of ministry. Um, but there's one thing that if that if I could get an impartation from Noah on, it would be that built-in optimism. Because there's just, I'm never, I, I'm sure there's down days, but I don't know that I've ever heard one. And uh, there might be times he just gets mad as can be. And if I've seen it, I wouldn't have recognized it. So um, it's just, just a nice guy. And, and more than that, if I could tell you the whole story about meeting Noah for the first time, I'll never forget the first time in the middle of the week, him running in here to Legacy looking at this place. And he just, it was just remarkable, just Wow, this is cool, and all this, you know, just being Noah. And, uh, and when, when he went, I said, who was that masked man that just came through? <laughs> and gratefully, we came to find out it was Pastor Noah. Now, I know they, they both he and Kelly love their, their parents, and their parents are, are vital uh, people here at Legacy as well. We appreciate and love them and, and honor them as their, their, their parents but uh, I, I have to be honest that Trace and I have this sort of spiritual link that we feel like kind of in the Lord, we've got, a, we've got a parenting thing there just to help out spiritually along the way. Not to, not to replace uh, the Pruitts or the Mecklemurries. No, we're not replacing them good folk. But we just feel like just through the years, God has knit us in that way. And we just feel like that's really special. So without further ado, I'm really anxious to hear my protege and our youth pastor, Pastor Noah, let's give it up for our youth pastor, can we? Thank you. Oh, wow. Oh, thank you. I don't know what to say about that. As, as far as the, uh, the anger, there was a day. In fact, Kelly will vouch for this yesterday you know first the beginning of lawn season and i'm trying to get my lawn mowers cranked up and pastor if you were there you would have taken that back no no it wasn't that bad i did have to apologize though didn't i 
Um, Let's pray before we get started. Father, I want to thank you for today. Lord, I want to thank you for the blessings that you've bestowed upon me and my family. And Lord, I ask that your anointing will come on me right now, Lord. Anoint my lips and anoint those ears that are going to be receiving your word today, God. You showed things to me this week that, Lord, I never would have expected. And I just pray, Lord, that you can convey that through me to this congregation. I love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. If you open your Bibles to Matthew 3.16, what I want to talk about today is, is vital to progressing in the kingdom as we live on earth. And like I said, God has shown me some things today that um, even as we're just in prayer and, and, and during worship and some of the words that have come forth, it's, this is a providential message and I just pray I do it justice. But Matthew 3.16 says, When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, alighting upon him. And suddenly, a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. What I want to talk about today is walking under an open heaven. And this that verb, we're walking. It, it just, there's so many things that came, came forth. But I wanted to start by telling you a little bit about me and my walk with Christ and how I managed to, to come to, to find legacy and um, ultimately to have the Lord find me. I was raised by Gary and Nita. They're here in the back. and um, I was raised in the Word. I knew the Lord. I knew of the Lord. Um, I've witnessed firsthand by watching my mom and how she wept in, in his glory and just prayed and, and loved. And I would bring friends over the house and they would see her and they'd say, is she okay? I'll say, no, she's just happy because she's, she's, she's weeping and just loving the Lord. And I understood it. I've seen it. I've been around it. But I chose a lifestyle similar to that of the prodigal. And I lived hard, harder than they'd want to know. <laughs> There came a time when I moved from Miami, Florida and moved into Charleston, South Carolina and brought the, the pile of junk with me and I just I was living hard here that I became fed up. It was, it was living wasn't enough for me. I knew there was something greater. It was then that the seed that was planted in me, that was sown into me by my mom and the honorable lifestyle I witnessed through my dad that, that just started to, to grow. And it caused this burden to rise up in me. And as it did, I started to, to reflect on things of my life, not so much outwardly. It looked pretty good outside. But inside, I was just lacking a lot. Well, my mom had heard Pastor on WTMA, a radio station. And I might be the only fruit of that radio station. I don't know. <laughs> Or, or that, 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 but she heard him and, and said, wow, that's something that, that Noah needs to hear. And it just so happens that I was living in Trailmore, which is right up the street. You can hit a golf ball there if, if you weren't me. And um, she suggested that I come and check out this church. And I had been soul searching. And there had been some conversations that had taken place. And she knew um, mothers just know. And, and so she told me. And I came by. And it was on a Wednesday. And I met with some of the other pastors that were here. And I came in. And like Pastor said, I just... I just felt like this is, this is the place. And I ended up coming back that Sunday, and it was almost a, a prophetic welcome committee. When I walked in to that door, I was greeted with such a love that I had never experienced in a church before. Now, I had been from church to church, even here locally, and I attended churches in Miami, but I was never really a member of a church or really linked up. And as I walked in, I was greeted by name, and people were interested, just really interested in me. And I believe that the Lord had paved that way for me. And He allowed it to where when I came in, I was, I was exposed. It was like a light was put on me. And I'll have you know that I was living a rotten lifestyle. And there was no sense of guilt or shame that came upon me, but only love. I felt genuineness when I walked in here. And as I continued to attend and got to know some of the folks and got to know Pastor and Tracy and heard the Word of God preached like a double-edged sword. And as he just, the, the Lord was just cutting through some cobwebs in my spirit. And it was just his Word. It was nothing, Pastor, you're a wonderful messenger. 
But his word was just so piercing. And as I, as I came under it, it was the truth taught in a way that I needed to hear it at that time in my life. Well, as that was taking place, I grew in my awareness of the need not only for me to have Christ, but also for those around me. And the discipling call was brought forth. And I felt the Lord wooing me into, his, into a discipleship with him. And as he did, not only was I just made aware, but this house provided an avenue in which I could go into that. And as I learned and got the word of the Lord through Pastor Baird, and I was discipled through the pre-encounter classes, and then encounter, and then post-encounter, and then re-encounter, and then consecrate. I mean, the, the process is what we call, we just coined it encounter, but what it was, was it was, a, it was an avenue in which I could be trained up to receive an anointing, a mantle, which we all need in order to function as a child of God in this world. And I think the church at large is, is lacking so much in this area, and it's a result of lethargy and, and churches that are feeding their, their, their congregations cotton candy, and it tastes good, and it gets them coming back over and over, but ultimately they're going to starve to death. And I love that, that this house was providing that for me. And as it did, I, I, I grew and I, I learned. I got head knowledge, but I was watching a transformation take place in my spirit. No one could have done that. No person, no teaching could have done what was taking place inside of me at that time. Well, ultimately, I was nudged outside of my comfort zone. And it's one thing to sit in a classroom and take it all in. But then there came a point where we were given door knockers, door hangers. And we had to go, or I should say we, were, we, we got to go door to door and hang these on doors. And no, no ver- you don't even have to talk. You can actually go at night when nobody's, you know, they're sleeping. But you, you were able to do that. And I remember Twyla Shaw and Kelly, myself, and a couple others were walking through my trailer park, and it was so intimidating to do it. And I'm, a, I'm pretty extroverted, I'd say. I'm not really reserved. But it's amazing how that step going, I mean, it's like you shook going to the door handle, and you're not even going to talk to anybody. But just being thrusted out of my comfort zone allowed me to break out of that mold, and it showed God that this is a vessel that's going to be used. And every time, it's like the lid was cracking and you'll, you'll learn more about that later. But I was obedient to the house. And believe me, it took obedience. Dur- during the encounter process, um, oh man, I really, I went round and round with the fact that this is legalistic. These people are control freaks. This is a, this is a cult. This is, something's up here. I'm, I just really didn't want to do it. I was making every excuse that I could not to do this. But the fact is, it was the demons in me being worked out. And on their way out, well, you had to hear Dag Mills I won't say it, but they, they, were, they were messing me up on the way out, if you will. And I, they were saying things to me, and I had just had to rebuke those things, and I just got deeper and deeper in God's Word. And then ultimately I served in the church, and as I served, I grew. And then I learned about giving, not tithing, but giving, and I, and I grew, and I learned. And through all of this process, I was, as I was growing, and I, I've been through the whole encounter process, my wife was revealed to me. And this was God's affirmation to me. Above all else, he had a mate selected for me before I even knew that I was moving to South Carolina from Miami. And if I would just be obedient and walk in the footsteps that he had for me, I would meet her. And if I would be obedient through this testing time, that I would earn her. And I, and I have. And now we have a wonderful child. And I mean, I cannot begin to tell you the amount of blessings and favor that I'm experiencing as a result of that obedience and that perseverance. Today, today we do all these things together. We came under God the best we knew how. We pray. We fast. We sow. We love. We wait. And when I say wait, I'm not necessarily referring to just being patient and, and waiting to see what God has for us. But I, I liken it to... Um, well, I guess a, a, a synonym to a server that you would receive at a restaurant would be a, a waiter. And they wait on us. They anticipate our needs. They, they are aware. They're constantly mindful of, of, you know, I'm constantly mindful of what God wants. And I, I try to be obedient in doing these things. And I do the same with, with my fellow brothers and sisters. But we tithe. 
that was a precept that I didn't get for a long time. We give. Not just finance. I'm talking about time and, and effort and energy and ears and just relationships. We repent to God and to each other. We are, we're quick to repent. We're quick to go back. And I'm not trying to toot my own horn, guys. I'm, just, I'm here to, to give you a testimony and share with you something that has happened to me. It's, 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 it's alive in my heart. And the Lord has been wanting to crack this open and pour it out. So please receive it in the heart that's being delivered. I evaluated my life. And I look at, at all, all the times in my life that I've let God down. And I've, I so don't deserve the blessings that I'm experiencing today. I Noah Pruitt does not deserve the blessings. And I'm often overwhelmed with the fact that he would even present me the opportunity to do some of the things that we're able to do. And I just, I love it. And I remember my turning point as if it was yesterday. Like I said before, it started for me with the seed that was sown in my heart. But through a series of unfortunate circumstances and, and frustrations and um, near-death experiences, I've, I, I broke down. I surrendered. When I was over in the Trailmore property, I had come here. I had heard the word of God. Something had been impressed on me. I was going through the process. And all of a sudden, I had this, this breaking point, And I surrendered. And when I surrendered, it was an experience like none other. And I, it, was, it was rather dramatic. But I will never forget it, nor would I ever want to forget it. Since that time, you know, I knew again. I knew about Christ. I knew about God's word. But I was never really amused by him. I didn't have a fascination with him. There wasn't a, you know, I, was, I, was, I thought it was cool that I was getting all this knowledge and I could finally read the Bible and, and remember what I read. And some of you can relate to that. You just read a scripture and you walk away from your Bible and it just didn't stick. You just can't remember. Well, I was starting to remember and all those things were cool. But there came a time when I became aware of God's presence and it was like un... Uh, it, you can't put it into words, but when you know that he is standing over you and watching you, it drove me to the ground. I, was, I had a vision, and I won't share all the details with you, but I had a vision that was so real that will, you, there's no man that can talk me out of my God because this experience, this one experience, let alone all the blessings that I've been speaking about, but this one experience showed me the realness of God and how he desires and longs to hold us in his hands. And he literally put me in his hands. But from that time, I began to be as a, as a gazer. You know, the, the, the word says in Hebrews 12 too, we look unto Jesus as the author and finisher of our faith. And when you look unto Jesus, you're, you're depending on, you're putting him above all. But the word gaze, the word looking can be translated into the word gaze. And if you would put that up, yeah. To turn the eye away from things and fix them on something properly, to stare at, to see with eyes, to see with the mind, to perceive, to know, to become acquainted with by experience, to experience or to look at or study intently. Yesterday, we were at Cypress Gardens, and we had Isabella with us, and I'm often reminded what it means to be a child of God when we have her with us, but we're walking through the gardens and enjoying the, the luster and beauty of Charleston, South Carolina in the springtime. There's everything that you could ever enjoy about the nature in Charleston, South Carolina was in its full glory. And it was heavenly. The weather was beautiful. And Isabella was just fascinated by the little, you know, we'd be looking afar off and taking in the, the openness and all of this. But she would find a bug on a flower. And she'd stop, and we'd be walking, and what are you doing? You know, we'd come back, and she'd just want to, she'd want to play with the gnat. Or, you know, and she's just fascinated by the fact that this, that she just, she's toned in. A train could have come, and she would not have gotten out of the way. She was so into what she was. And we are, as we, as we develop our, our faith, we start off like that. I believe we all start off with that childlike faith. If you've ever had a true experience with God, then you're giddy and you're excited. And, and that tends to wane over the years. And that's what I want to address today because God intended for us to walk under an open heaven. He intended for us to function the way He functioned on this earth. 
And I wanted to bring to you some of the realities that we need to be reminded of because I believe that everyone in here knows exactly um, the principles that I'm going to be teaching. They, they, they've heard it before. But I, I would ask that you would pay attention today like never before because I know that God wants to show you something. He's been putting this on my heart. Let me start right here. Um, Psalm 91. Would you pull that up? He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. If you want to abide under the shadow of the Almighty, the Word says we must dwell in the secret place of the Most High. Ladies and gentlemen, that does not mean that we stay on our knees on the side of our bed and not go to work. That doesn't mean that you, you cannot function in this world. It means that you are to live in the world, but as you dwell in the secret place, He will talk to you continually. He will show you things. And this last week, He has been revealing some things to me that, oh, wow, I'm just excited to be able to present this to you. But let's talk about what, what is an open heaven. Let's, let's describe this. Let's, let's define this. See, we have free access to all things heavenly, and this is when God dumps. I mean, he'll, he'll, he'll dump the truck, as pastor would say. He will, he will just let it out on you. All the goodness of heaven. When his presence is in control and earthly laws do not apply. I just have this uncanny ability since I've been under his presence to get things that I, I need or want but I, I didn't have to go and get. I'll explain that to you. Kelly wanted a shoe rack in our laundry room. It's just a shoe rack. It's minor. And we had a big throw rug that we wanted to put a pad under. And it was mentioned. She asked me for it. And just that week, I was doing a job, and I drove by a house, and they were putting out the shoe rack and and the, the mat. And these were both requested in the same time. And I thought, oh, well, that, what a coincidence. And I took them. We were having Isabella Rose. And we needed a glider chair. And those things aren't cheap. I went out and there was a lady carrying this brand new glider. And I set it on the street. Actually, it was just the ottoman portion of the glider. And I thought, wow, that's, that's neat. I'm going to need that with our glider when we buy one. Oh, well, no, no, no. Wait one minute. I'll be right back. She went back in the house and grabbed the glider and brought it out. The whole setup. And I thought, wow, God, that's just awesome. When we did our Halloween, not where it wasn't Halloween, but when, when we were in October and we were doing our set, we needed some tree branches for in here. And I looked around. I didn't, you know, I looked at my neighbor's trees and I looked, you know, there was trees everywhere. You know, you could always just go cut one down. But I needed some tree branches for in here. And I thought, Lord, how, how, how are we going to make this work? How are we going to, first of all, get them in here? How, well, Lo and behold, on the side of the road were two branches. Perfect. They fit right in the car. I brought them in. And it might seem little to you, but I know that the Lord was showing me favor in this. I was, I was functioning under His open heaven. He was granting me favor as a result of my obedience. Another, and I'll, I'll just say this, and this will finish this up, but our office, we just had to, you know, this has been the most expensive baby that we've ever had coming on. We have a garage that we had to convert to an office because the office was going to be Madeline's room, but we had to build a storage shed to put the stuff from our storage shed into and to move the stuff out of the garage into, which we're going to convert. Long story short, we needed shelving. We, we, I don't know. I'd, I'd venture to say that over 60% of the items in our office and everything that went into it was either donated or found or given. God made it happen. But these, these office shelves... Um, we found at a house on Daniel Island. Kid just put it on the side of the street, and I asked if I could have that one shelf. And he said, oh, yeah, hold on. I'll go get the rest. And under his house, I followed him. It was packed. California Closets had done a custom closet set for this house, and they had taken it out to convert it to a, something else. Well, I received all of, I mean, there must have been $8,000 worth of stuff. I didn't use it all. I only grabbed what I can use. But how amazing. And God shows and grants us favor. When I look at my life and I, I look at Kelly and I wake up in the morning and I, I see what God has granted me, my health, and, you know, we're not, we might not be the wealthiest family. Uh, well, we might be on our street because we live in a pretty down neighborhood. But no. Um, but no, we, we, we're really not. If you've been to my house, you can get that. But I am wealthier than anybody 
anyone that's not walking in God's will, I don't care how much money they have, we are wealthier than they are. We have something that money will not buy. And today I want you guys to just allow the Lord to receive, to, to bestow on you and that you would receive that He didn't design this, this system that He has to function just as, a, as a, a lump sum. He throws it in for everybody to get a little piece of. He has custom tailored an open heaven or a window or a porthole for you. And I want to get to you today the way that you can access and activate that window. He says he's going to open the windows of heaven. But it's not him that does it. He's provided it. It's there. All we have to do is reach up and open it. This is going to be exciting, guys. You're going to walk out of here with a different view on what it means to be blessed. And I want to encourage you. We're taking the horse to the water, but we're not going to make you drink. This is going to be up to you. His presence is here. Almost more than I've ever experienced it. And I just know that he is, he's here to do something. There's, there's an anointing on this place today that is unlike. And it's the, it, he inhabits the praises of his people. And we were praising. I mean, there's something going on. There's an electricity in this room today. And I want you guys to access this. Some of the areas that, that an open heaven is going to affect, one is resource. I'll just put it out there. Everybody wants to talk about, um, you, know, well, you know, why is it always got to be about money? It's not about money. It's resource. God resources us. What I shared with you, he didn't give me one dollar. Do you understand me? He didn't give me everything that I've shared with you. He didn't, he didn't rain money from heaven. He granted favor. My spiritual antenna was open, was up. I was receiving. He showed me. I listened. I obeyed. I wasn't scared to go and, and apprehend that which he had placed before me. Be careful with that. <laughs> I'm in Sears. He's giving me... No. You, you got to be careful with that, but just understand where I'm coming from, but... You know, we come together week after week, and forever and ever we made a confession. I think some of you even memorized it. As we receive today's offering, we are agreeing together. Now, that can become ritualistic, almost religious, but the fact remains is He, God Himself, has ordained in, in this earth a trigger. And the trigger is our faith combined with our confession activates the things it opens the window and stuff happens but here 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 it is look just recently i was doing a kitchen for someone we were putting in granite countertops and as the granite countertops were going in i was amazed by the craftsmanship of this particular installer svetlana's husband actually he's he's amazing and i'm watching him do it and i thought wow this guy's just i mean to the 32nd and he's he's working it and so diligently, and it comes time to to fuse the granite together at its seams, which you almost can't even see. And he takes this putty and he makes this pigment, and it's pretty and it's it's odorous, but it's it's pretty. And he's making it look right, you know. He's working it, he's working it, and he could have spread that thing right on there, and it would have looked awesome. I could have walked away from that and said, "Man, that is it. That's it. Here, you're paid. You're done." No. He said, hold on, I gotta, he had a, a little drop. It's the catalyst. The pigment wasn't the hardener. This, this paste would stay pasty if he hadn't added the, the smallest amount of catalyst. It was another piece. And as he put that in and mixed it, he didn't have much time to work with it. He was working fast and he worked it into the seam. And he took a razor blade and he made sure everything was perfect. And as he backed away, he said, Done. He doesn't speak much English, does he? But he said, done. And that was done. But the fact is, you could not remove this. He said, that granite will break. Well, I interpreted him to say, that granite will break before that seam does. And it would have done nothing had he not added the catalyst. So I, wanna, I just want to tell you that as we do that, and we, we look at the screen, and we're not, we're not worshiping the screen. We're not... Speaking to a screen, we are confessing those things that are true. Because God says that in Deuteronomy, and we'll, we'll just open those up. Deuteronomy 28.12 says that the Lord will open to you His good treasure, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season, and bless all the work of your hand, and you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. That's verse 12 of Deuteronomy 28. Tell you what, do you have... Can you go back to maybe verse 2, 3, 1? You know, just get back in the first 11 verses. Let's kind of scroll through those. 
There's 12. Let's, let's scroll back to maybe 28. This is improv, guys, so I apologize. Let's do two. All right. And all these blessings shall come upon you. Now, this is, this is describing to you what blessings shall come upon who? You. And, and what? Overtake you. What's cool about God is that, you know, he, he will allow you to be tempted, but not more than you can withstand. But he will allow you to be blessed more than you can withstand. That's where giving comes from, I, I believe. But because you obey the voice, obey the voice of the Lord your God. Next verse. Blessed shall be you in the holy city. Blessed shall you be in this country. I said holy city. Blessed are we going to be. Legacy church is going to be in this city. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body. We're not talking about money. The produce of your ground. And the increase of your herds. The increase of your cattle. And the offspring of your flocks. It goes on and on. We won't. Blessed shall be your basket. And your kneading bowl. I mean it goes on and on and on. And he's not talking about money. It's resource. He will resource you with everything that you need to be sustained. God's not interested in money because he is not going to, you're not going to take it with you. He is interested in your being blessed. He is interested in your being, having influence in this world. And he's going to resource you to do all these things. And unfortunately in this corrupt world, it takes, it takes money. But it's not about the money. It's about the resource. He wants us to be of an influence. And as we believe him and we confess with our mouth, and again, believe in our heart. That's the catalyst. It's that faithfulness that we have. When we see who he is and we marvel at what he can do, nothing will stop him. Um, now, when you're obedient with a right heart, God opens the heaven above and you're going to prosper beneath. He allows us to give. He, it's a privilege, guys. It's not a right. It's a privilege that we have in him to be able to give. And when he, when he allows it, and I'm not just talking again, I don't want to get hung up on money. Time, love, when you can just lend an ear to someone that's hurting, he will, re, he will restore to you back the time that you think you lost. No, no. You confess with a, a, a pure heart, and he's going, to, he's going to bring you all the resource you need to do what you need to do. Now, Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. You don't have to open to it because it's going to show up here. Will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me? But you say, and what have we robbed you? And tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will be not room enough to receive it. God wants us to try him. He wants us to try him. He understands that we're going to be nervous. He understands that it's going to take an element of faith to try him in the area of relinquishing things. Just recently as we were away at that conference, there was a, an anointed pastor teaching on finance and how he talked about he was able to, to step out of faith enough to give everything twice in his lifetime. And he is not lacking. But the, you know, even as, as I heard that, I thought, oh, great, pastor's going to bring this back to the church. And that's it. This, this, this is going to be something. But, I mean, there, something rose up in me, and I had to stop and say, Lord, I get it. I understand now why it's so hard, why, why that means so much to you. Sustenance is, is more than stuff. Resources more than stuff. But his, his presence, when it, when, it reveals to your, to, when it reveals itself to you in a tangible way, a way that you can testify on, with a, with a pure heart and not making anything up, not relying on somebody else's story or believing for, speaking those things that be not as though they were. But when you can take a tangible experience with God and, and deliver it to another person, it is amazing. And I liken it to someone that's ridden a roller coaster. You know, I've heard of, I've heard of some wild roller coasters in California, but I've never been there. But they'll come back and tell me how awesome. And I mean, there's this passion. They're telling you, man, I was whipped this way and whipped that. And I lost my lunch on the second loop, and I was this, you know, it was, it was so exciting. And I'm listening, and they're getting me involved. I want to go check it out. And somebody will ask me about, you know, I'm going to California. Think of anything I can do while I'm there. It'll be fun. And, oh, dude, you've got to check out this roller coaster. It spins you around and makes you throw up. And, oh, it's, it's fantastic. You've got to go do it. Okay. I'll be there. The secondhand 
revelation doesn't really do much. It's when God takes you personally through an experience. And, you can, and if you want to experience those things, you're going to have to learn to access this open heaven. And you've got to do it through obedience. All those things that I talked about that Kelly and I have been able to do, it has taken a serious level of sacrifice. It has taken a serious level of um, really putting things off that we thought maybe we were called to do. But in, in a purpose to reach souls, to grow as a couple, to become more one, we had to be obedient, we had to give, we had to sow, and we continue to do it to this day. But it, it is sacrifice, but God shows us and gives us sustenance. Psalm seventy eight, twenty three through twenty five. Twenty twenty three through twenty five says, Yet he had commanded the clouds above and opened the doors of heaven. He had rained down manna on them to eat and given them of the bread of heaven. Men ate the angels' food. He sent them food to the full. While I thought about that, you know, I'm looking through my Bible, looking at verses of an open heaven and what happens during an open heaven. What's the manifestation of an open heaven? And there's a lot of things that he talks about. You know, it rains. For Noah, it rained. And in this particular case, it rained down manna. And I thought, well... That's cool and everything, but it's just manna. It's just bread. I mean, even they started complaining after a while. And a few verses after that, he talks about raining down meat and all the other things that they were requesting. But I thought about it, and it's, it's not so much about the manna as much as it is about the bread of life. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus Christ himself, he is the bread of life. And God will rain that down when the heavens are open. And we can partake of who he is and what all he did. And as I was getting that revelation just this week, it revealed to me that he supplies us with everything that we need, not just tangibly to be able to assist and facilitate the needs of others, but in, our, in ourselves. It, it battles against depression. And all those, it, it, it sustains us, our spiritual selves. And I look, at, I look at my relationship with my wife, and while I love her and she's, she's wonderful in so many ways, she is not going to supply all my need. She, she does supply most of my need. But it's God and his, the bread that he provides for me. And that comes a lot of different ways. Number one, I've got to stay in his word. And he's dropping manna as you're, that's just tidbits of revelation and as you spend time in that secret place and abide in him, he just, he just pours it out on you. As you come under counsel and under authority and you receive from a man of God that's living out a, a lifestyle of righteousness and you can receive the anointing. And there's so many ways that God, he builds you up and gives you the ability to pursue him in a way that others can't. And that's what separates you from the crowd. And he uses, there was only 12 disciples. He could have used so many, but it's 12. I mean, it, it, took, it took those that were willing to sacrifice to get there. Now, in the same way that the heavens can be open, the Bible describes that they can be like bronze. Pastors talked about a brassy heaven, and I really didn't even understand much about what you meant until I looked into an open heaven, and I had to, I had to see the flip side. I don't want to just preach the good news of the gospel and say, you know, hoorah, let's go out there and, and, and let's just ride on high. I want you to understand the flip side to God as well. And, and our disobedience and what can happen as we're not pursuing him and as we're, as we're being selfish with our belongings. I tell you, if you keep reading in Deuteronomy, I'm not going to do it because I want you to come back next week. <laughs> he talks about what it, what, it, what, what it looks like for those who aren't. And it's a lot more verses. <laughs> Seems like a lot, like a whole other, like three times as many curses that come on us as a result of disobedience than we get to experience. So the fact is, it's a lot easier. There's a lot less to being obedient. Just do it. I mean, it, it really, it's, it's that simple. Well, God is all-powerful. We get that. And until we get the revelation of this, we fall short in our pursuit. Now, as I was back there today and we were in prayer, I was, I was, the Holy Spirit was just showing me things, and I shouldn't do this before the day I'm going to preach, but... He had me write some things down and he says, we have access to the power if we focus on him and meditate on him. 
I have an illustration that's going to come up in just a minute that I want you to take seriously here. I know it's just a, a demonstration. It's, it's, it's using your senses. It's manipulating your senses to, to get my point. But I want you to, to take this in and, and, and receive it. But if you've ever been in the presence of God and you've drank of Him, I'll tell you what, this next point is going to be hard to follow if you haven't. But in His presence, which is always here, guys, His presence is in this room. When we were worshiping, I was tingling. And Pastor came up and he said, he, he stopped. He just kind of, he tuned into it too. And I just, that confirms it. And I just, I just feel him and I, I look for him. It's like he's going to show up. I mean, his head's going to poke out of this wall. This is awesome. What's going to happen? Is the roof going to tear off? I mean, I prayed for an anointing on this place today. And I didn't, I didn't know what was going to happen. But I'm ready for anything because I've read this book. And man, he can do some stuff. Well... He's always here, and it's just a matter of us taking of the cup. The cup is presented to you on a silver platter. It's a golden goblet. I mean, if you could picture something a king, a royalty would drink out of, it's just there for your enjoyment if you would just partake. And there's a, matter, there's a level of focus, and, and there's a level of prayer, and a level of abiding in Him, and just being quiet that is required to get His impression. If you've ever seen those 3D posters, has anybody ever seen the magic eye, I think they might call it? It's a 3D poster. You have to look at it. You stare at it. You stare at it. You stare at it. And you kind of have to block everything else out. You can't focus on anything else but. And as you stare at it, you cross your eyes and get kind of dizzy. All of a sudden, this three-dimensional image comes forth. Raise your hand if you've seen one of these before so I know I'm not the only one. Okay. But some people can't do it. They just don't have the mental capacity or whatever. They can't do this or I don't know, whatever. But the fact is there's, there's certain things. That, but they're able to, if you're able to focus in and just put everything else off for a minute, you'll see things like this happen. House of Lights, guys, let's show this image. As you're looking at this image, let's kill all the house lights, front, everything. Let them go. All right. Do me a favor. Stare at this image. Do not take your eyes off. Stare at the center well, those four dots, just stare at it and do not take your eyes off. For 15 seconds, I want you to just put everything else off and focus. Just stay focused on that image. Don't let your eyes wander. Don't blink. <laughs> right. Just stay focused on it. Five, four, three, two. Now, as that switches over, stay staring. Do not take your eyes off of the white screen. Keep your eyes on the screen. What has happened here is your retina has been imprinted with an image. And you're seeing the reverse of it right now, which actually makes it come forth. Abiding in the presence of God oftentimes can be as abstract as staring at that first image. But if you just have faith in Him and, and focus, you can get the lights back on now. If you just have faith and focus and stay aware and just, just pinpoint Him and don't let anything else take your attention away from Him. On a Sunday morning, on your, in, your, in your prayer time, if you're really in His presence, when you walk away, I will not doubt, guys, that little time that you spend here, when you go to lunch, it's going to flash in your head. That's going to mess you up for the rest of the week. And that's just a simple illustration that I did with lights. The Holy Spirit, God is light. He will burn your retinas to a crisp. He will leave you blind to the world and only seeing the aftershock. And that is the most joyous experience you're ever going to have in your entire life. But if you're not focused on Him, if you're not taking the time out of your daily busy lives, and I understand you're busy, you need to focus on Him and appreciate Him in the little things in your life. See that image. See Him in your child. See Him in your neighbor. See Him in the beautiful sunny day. See Him in the rainy, nasty day that you don't want to go to church. See Him in every aspect of life and trust me that when that image gets burned into your spirit you will you will see nothing else that's a promise the commandments that you once that, that the jews were once bound under by law will become promises it's it's like they focused on the image and then messiah came and they they received him and they knew that it was him and they have no doubt that it's him the, all of those commandments became promises. They're not lying, stealing, cheating, coveting, doing all the rest because it's, it's a, he's alive in them. It takes all the effort out of it. The law was harsh. The law was hard. But when the promise came, and he is our promise, he, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. If you can understand that there's a joy after this, there's a joy after church. At lunch, there's a joy. 
and it goes way beyond the buffet. There's a joy to know that you are a child of the Most High, you are a light, and people are going to see that in you if you're willing to sacrifice yourself to do it. Now, we talked about the power of God, but that power goes further than just being a good person. It goes further than just um, um, delighting in, in being alive. But it's there for a purpose. Now, we see a manifestation um, in, in a number of ways. And in America, we see a lot less of a, mani- a manifestation than maybe in some, some third world countries where there's a lot of poverty and maybe a lot of disease or war. See, but, but I just want you to get this, guys. Healing is real. God did it. God does it, and he's going to do it. But the question is, is he going to use you for it? All right? And you've got to, in order for you to, to abide in his presence and to receive that impartation and to be able to deliver it and disseminate it, you've got to have faith. Revivals? Charleston is in dire need of a revival. The world, quite frankly, is in dire need of a revival. Jesus is coming back. I'm not the only one on this boat, I don't think. He's coming back, but are we going to prepare this world for his return? Miracles. Miracles, guys. Miracles can happen on so many levels. We hear of little miracles in our praise reports, but I'm believing for greater miracles. There's going to be some things that the world just doesn't understand. There's going to be a cross standing on John's Island next to a sign that says, Coming soon, Legacy Church. Where's the church? What's up with this? What's up with the? Are you worshiping in the cross? Are you guys outside? Do you have a tent? What do you, what's going on? The world is not going to get it, but God uses these things. He uses the He uses the weird people to confound the wise. I mean, He really does. Pastor, well, He's He He's not ashamed. Now, Jesus said that. All of these things, speaking in tongues, healings, miracles, all these things, the manifestations of His presence were going to happen. He says that you will do all the things that He's done and greater than. Now, I might not know everything about God's Word, and I will not profess to know everything. But I do know that... I might get emails on this. Jesus was useless to the kingdom of God until He was baptized and the heavens were opened to Him. He was just a carpenter. Just like his, his family members in his neighborhood would see him come back, oh, that's Jesus, the woodworker. When the heavens were open to him, the Holy Spirit ascended upon him. He was being obedient. This is Christ. Does he need to be baptized? Apparently. He did it to show us this is what it looks like. This is what happens. Now watch me. And then he goes where? <laughs> Into the wilderness. And who tempts him but Satan himself? I believe that Legacy Church is in a sense, is in a walk like this right now, going towards in the wilderness to receive and get some revelation because when he came back, miracles sprung forth. Started with turning water into wine, but things started to happen. And it was the anointing and it was his willingness to go through and be tempted. and, And he was victorious. He had to prove I don't know why he had to prove. I don't know why God would let his son go through this. I don't know why, but I do know that he was victorious. And as he was victorious, he showed us, you are too. You are victorious as well. And he brought that back and said, look, here's water into wine. Now, I'm not condoning drinking, but the fact is he did it. That was his first miracle. And then it just, it, the, their talk started and things happened. And I believe Legacy Church is going to experience similar a similar buzz and things are going to happen people are going to fly over and see the crosses and say i'm going to that's where i'm going when i'm in charleston it was the power of god that granted these abilities and understand that it was not jesus christ himself because he was a, he was a man but it was the god aspect of him his willingness to be obedient his willingness to sacrifice and if there was ever a sacrifice we know jesus was the sacrifice now along with all these things and i'm coming to a close soon was revelation. This is what's been, this has been messing with me more than anything since I've been, I really don't even know where this message sprung from. It started with, I had an image of windows. It must have happened after the Passionate Pursuit because I knew that those, those lanterns or those were painted, the chandeliers were painted and it was cool and I was thinking, man, I can see windows hanging up here and they're opened and I was going to make it look like stuff was falling out. I don't know how I was going to do it, but I just had this image. I was like, yeah, that's going to be cool. But God was showing me that it wasn't about the, the stage, and therefore I said, no, it's not about the stage. This is about the, 
the word that's got to come forth, but the revelation started to come, and he started to show me things about what it looked like. What did it... All right. Constant revelation. Guys, get this. When you're born again and you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's the beginning. You start walking in constant revelation. I, I would highly recommend that everyone in here prepare a sermon. Take the time out of your busy lives and prepare a sermon that you're going to, that you're going to witness. Maybe it's just write down your testimony as detailed as you can and write down the significance of the things that have happened throughout your walk. And all of a sudden, you're going to notice that you have this spiritual antenna that the Lord speaks to. And you, you look at things. Like I saw Bella look at that little flower. And I said, he, he's like he tapped me on the shoulder and said, look, come here. Let me show you something. Look at her. And as I watched her, I just felt the Lord just saying, that's, that's you. I was like, wow. She actually looks like me too. And I just, I'm fascinated. He showed me what it means as uh, these things are not of, of man. The revelation that comes forth, the, the truths that I'm, I'm telling you about and you all are agreeing with, they're not, they don't make sense to man, but they're, they're true. Do you remember when Jesus Christ was on the cross, when he died, a couple of things happened. But in a conversation with my mom recently, he revealed to me the most significant thing that happened that day was when that veil was torn. Prior to that time, if you recall, the way that a priest would go to get into the presence of God, I mean, they would literally tie a rope around his ankle or waist with a bell attached to it so that he, they can, they're, they're you know, hoping he's going to come out. But if that bell stops ringing, then we're dragging him out. But nobody else is going behind that veil because... He's the only clean one. That's gonna, I mean, there's all this stuff that had to happen before we can get in the presence of God. But Jesus Christ tore the veil. And this was no ordinary veil, guys. This was a... a, a oh. to, to consider the power that tore this thing, that rent it in twain, the Bible says. It, it opened the veil. It tore the veil apart and giving us all free access to His presence. Wow! He gave me access to Him. We don't have to go through this whole ritual anymore. We can come into His presence and receive from Him. And if only we were a vessel willing to receive and just stand beneath His glory and just open the lid and just let Him pour in. But so many of us will come to church where the presence is so strong or come to a revival or go to a a function or even just kneel at at the cross and your lid's on. Too tight. Let it just open it up. Receive. He He's pouring out so much. Church is not supposed to be what it has become. It's supposed to be a bunch of kids running around. Have you ever watched kids around their daddy? Daddy, daddy, look what I can do. You know, they're, you know they do the funniest things. You know, and it's, it's funny. But the fact is we are not, you know, in church anymore. It's hallelujah, hallelujah, read the hymn out the door. There's not, he wants, he's not satisfied with that. He wants us to, to adorn him with, with our praise and bring him flowers and say, Daddy, look. You know, oh, you know, he showed us about what it means to be truthful. And we bring it to him and say, Father, look, I get it. I got it. Look, you showed me what it means. And he wants us to just enter and exit and, and flow with him like at Jacob's Ladder. How when the windows were, were, were open and the, he- the, the heavens were in the form of angels were ascending and descending and up this ladder and the heaven was open. And it was just this free portal which we all have access to today. And it's just a matter of us getting off of our stubborn assignment and going in and, and, and just taking hold of that which is available to us, guys. When we're in here anymore, and I'm going to mess you all up for eternity. When we're in here anymore, I want you to picture these two crosses as a, a representation of His glory and what He paid. This is... This is a, it's just wood. I understand that. It's four by fours. We even beat them with a chain. When people saw us as they were driving by, they probably thought we were Satan worshipers or something. But the fact is, these are a representation of all that he did for us and all that he's doing for us. When you're in here and worship is going on, those of you who want to stand back, I mean, listen, it's personal preference. Some people just don't like music. You know, I don't think that you're going to heaven if that's the case, but that's just, it doesn't matter because there's going to be a lot of music in heaven. You're going to be sadly mistaken. 
No, all seriousness. When worship is taking place, picture the fact that God is in this room. He has, he has manifested himself in glory and in light. If you, will, if you will come to him and present yourself a living sacrifice and come before him and just lay at his feet and re, re, just receive what he's pouring out. Don't, don't mind yourself with what people are doing. And go with what you're, what you're feeling, you know, with, within order. Within order. But there's, a, there's, a, there's something to be received, guys, and it's, that's how you access the open heaven. You will walk out of here a changed person, and it doesn't stay here. It, it's like that imprint in your head that you're probably still seeing. When you walk out of this church and you, you flood into Charleston, South Carolina, there should be something. You should be wet with his blood. You should have come into his presence, and there should be a tangible evidence of your being in his presence and it's just, it's so, it's so exciting. There's so many words. All right, Revelation, throw it up there. So many scriptures that back this up. Revelation 4, 1 and 2. After these things I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me saying, Come up here. We'll show you the things which were to take place after this. I just picture that. The heavens were open and a vision. Whew. Let's go next. Uh, Revelation 19, 11. Now I saw heaven opened, again, an open heaven, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. The next one, Ezekiel 1.1, now it came to pass in the 13th year of the fourth month of the fifth day of the month, it doesn't matter what day it was, but the fact is, as I was among the captives by the river, Shabar, that the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. The next one. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on earth, as its, and at its top reached the heaven, and there were angels of God that were ascending and descending on it. Do we have any more? Yes, Acts 10. The next day, as they went on their journey and drew near to the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made him made ready, he fell into a trance. Get this, and he saw heaven opened. And an object, like a great sheet, bound at the four corners, descending to him and let down to the earth. When the heavens are opened, God answers questions. When the heavens are opened, he reveals things to us. When the heavens are opened, he pours down manna, the bread of life, to get you through those circumstances, those situations, those times that you are sitting right now in and wondering, how in the world am I going to make it? Well, get this. It's not in the world that you're going to make it. How in heaven... Because it's in heaven where those windows are going to open and he's going to pour it out. But listen, you don't walk into a room and partake of the blessings that he's pouring out for your neighbor. You get that? Alan might be in here just, I'm open, I'm getting it, he's pouring it out. And Patsy might be standing there trying to reach over his head and try to grab something. That's just not how it works. We each have to have that revelation. We each have to have that, that desire, that hunger. And he pours it out to you individually. And the manna that he pours for you is going to be for you alone. And you know what? You couldn't store the manna till tomorrow. It was only good for that day. And there was a lot of it. And in fact, towards the end, he gets a little cocky that God does, and he starts dumping it, and he dumps quail and everything else right before he smites everyone. But he's just letting everyone know that, yes, I can do this. I can do this. But if you're not going to be obedient, I, just because you're disobedient doesn't mean I can't still do it. It just means that I'm going to kill you. And, but understand that God, God is no respecter of persons. He looks at each one of us as individuals. And as, as we have a relationship with Him, I love my Isabella so much. But Madeline's coming. And I'm going to love her so much in a different way. And I'm going to love them equally, the same, but differently. It's going to mess their heads up. Because they're not going to be able to understand why you said I was your favorite. Well, you are. But you said she was my, your favorite. Well, she is. Which is it? Well, you all both are. And it's just how it is with God. All right, I'm going to leave you with this key to functioning under an open heaven, okay? And before I do this, I want you guys to, to understand we're going to worship here in just a minute. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of songs that can, can bring out the best in this, this sermon, but the Lord showed me that there's a particular song that He wanted shown. And I want to encourage you all, that are, anyone within my earshot, I, don't, I almost want to grab the kids and bring them in. His anointing is in this house today. He is here. He started off with a bang. He's going to go out with a bang. If anyone walks in during this worship session, they're going to think we're crazy. And we are, but that's besides the point.
We're crazy in love with Jesus Christ is what we are. But I want you to get this, okay? Listen here. Just like in anything, all right, we need to be, first of all, you need to be repentant. You need to be godly. You have to experience godly sorrow, all right? Because I'm not, this isn't a salvation message, okay? This is simply a revelation message. This is to get you up here and to start to tap into, because guys, I'm, I'm, t- I'm talking to Christians. But I'm talking to Christians that are functioning below par. Not all of you. And I'm not speaking on, that's not a blanket statement. But I can assure you that if you're like me, you can receive more. And you want more. And you need more. So much more that you're going to be overflowing and you're going to have something to give somebody at lunch. We need to be patient in this. This is not just a revival message. You go home from here and everything's working all the time. That's not it at all. This is a message. This is a call to arms. The soldiers of Christ need to rise up and gear up because we're going out to battle. But you've got all of that armor we talk about in God's Word. You know, all of that's got to be in place. And that's the different message. But the fact is, it's going to be up to you to get up and go. Like the prodigal, that was, that was definitely providential. He came to himself. He got up. And that's good. I mean, I'll give him that. But he turned. And that was good too. But he wasn't done. He started moving. And as he pressed in, it just, the momentum picked up. His father saw him. He came and restored him. He opened the windows of heaven. He restored, that ring signifies that he restored him 100%. He killed the fatted calf. There was no hunger. There was a famine in the land, but not in the father's house. And that's where we're going. We're going to access the father's house right now, okay? We need to really, really speak to the father. Guys, if you've ever watched American Idol, I don't necessarily condone it for everyone, but I, I do watch it. From time to time, there's this one girl who gets up there, and she's amazing. And she was taking criticism from the judges, and they were trying to shape her and mold her into what they wanted her to be. But she came in there with a a gift. She came in there as a beautiful, beautiful performer. And they were it seemed like they were trying to change her. But in the end, they commended her on keeping true to who she is as an individual, not conforming to the ways of all those other performers, but staying true to who she is as an individual. While it seemed like she was getting ridiculed in the beginning, that became a positive quality in the end. You need to be real with your father. Don't try to pray like your neighbor. Don't try to speak in tongues like your friend. Don't, you need to be before him and just cry out, Abba, Father, I love you. Close your eyes. Receive him. Understand that he's receiving you. He's received you. He's poured out more than you can possibly take in. Everyone, stand up. Stand up. Let's come up to the front. I just want to take this as an invitation. We're going to lay at his feet. You don't have to lay down. You can lay down. You could dance. You could do whatever you want. But just like any recipe for success, there's going to be practice, exercise, training, persevering, being stretched, learning. I want this to be considered our surrender session. I want this to be an opportunity for you who have never come forth, who have never raised a hand, who have never adorned your father with the, with the incense of praise and you know, he, when, when we praise Him, when we lift up His name, it's like incense to Him. It's a sweet-smelling aroma that draws His attention to you. I picture, even right now as I'm talking to you, He's showing me that if... And I've never seen this before, but I imagine it would be true that if you're in an airplane and you're flying over a barren landscape or even a sea, I see a, an ocean, or, and there's a little life raft so far down, you can't see Him with your naked eye, but... They're holding a little mirror, like a, one of those cosmetic mirrors. And, and they shine, they reflect the light of the sun up with that little mirror. And all of a sudden, a pilot from however many feet up can see that flash. And the attention is drawn automatically, and he circles around. And if you can picture that in your life right now, that you're, you're a mirror. You're reflecting his light. You're, you're allowing him to rise up in you so much so that it's not you that they see but simply a reflection of him oh wow Mm. he doesn't want he doesn't want phony people he doesn't want just a regular run of the mill person to come in and say oh I'm here just no more than I would want that at my birthday party or I want somebody who, who, who worships. And I want to encourage you today, as we're, as we're singing this song, 
Guys, is it possible to run the image? Let's kill the lights. Leave these on. This, I, just, I just want this to resonate for, for a while. Just... But we come to you, Lord. We're in your house. We know that you dwell here. Father, let us partake of all that you are and receive the cup. Let us take of it and drink, Lord, for you provided for us everything that we need, and it is in you. We repent right now, Lord, for not giving it all, for not, not listening when you called, for making religion out to be some earthly hiccup. When, Father, you've called us to a relationship with a God that can do things that we need right now. We need you, Father. We need you, Father, and nothing more. We long to be in your presence, to lay at your feet, Father, to abide in your house. Better is one day... Better is one day in your presence. Better is one day in your courts. Better is one day in your house than eternity elsewhere. Give us the revelation, Lord, that you didn't store up all the joys and riches of heaven to wait for us until we get there. But, Father, that we can can reach. We can reach up and pull them down here. Father, you have provided for us our our own window. And I pray right now that you would crack that window, Lord. We anticipate a draft in this place, oh, Father. We anticipate your presence to stir up. Holy Spirit, we we rely on you. We love you. We thank you. Jesus, thank you. Father God, mm, how amazing. How amazing you are to set it up the way you did. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to us.